exciting to get, you know, hey, every step is a, is a victory, right? You celebrate even the small steps. And you, uh, and you rejoice in the fact that, that even in those small steps, uh, you know, you, you, you know, you celebrate those. So that's, uh, so that's good. We're, we're excited to, to start that back up and get those kids back in and, and, uh, and now listen, let me say this too. Um, cause here everybody's talking about, uh, everybody's talking about all this stuff. There's so much stuff on TV and, and so much misinformation out there about, about what's going on. Can I just, especially for the church, guys, listen, we need to make sure that we are speaking what God speaks. And we need to make sure that we are, that we are using our words for a positive future, not a negative future. And, you know, if you want to see things change, if you want to see, if you want to see, I mean, and and I'll say this, and I know some people disagree with me on this, but. But that's all right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sticking with what well, I'm sticking with God. I'm sticking on God's side, you know. But if you want to see this virus come to an end, and you want to see things get back to normal, you want to see you want to see schools start back up in the fall. You you want to see all this mess, uh, you know, come to an end. Start using your words for positive things. Start speaking. Start prophesying to these things, saying our kids will be back in school and it'll be safe, and our kids will not. You know, will not be uh, subjected to this, you know, to this virus, and it won't come near us. I mean, not, I'm not saying that it's not a real thing. I'm not saying that that we shouldn't take it serious. But what I am saying is this: my trust and my belief in my God is bigger than than anything that this world can throw at me. Because you know what, this world is temporary. My God is eternal, and and he and listen, this thing didn't take him by surprise. He knew this. He knew that all this was would be happening. And you know what? And you've heard me say it. I don't know how many times I've said, I say it all the time. And it's I mean it's just as true today as it as it was the first time I ever said it. If anything comes and, and knocks on your door and shows up on your doorstep, God has put the things on the inside of you to take care of it. This virus is no different. Everything we're facing in this in our country right now is no different. What what is different is this: people are allowing fear, and people are allowing what they hear and what they see to over overwhelm them to where they're taking their eyes off of their father. Yep. Amen. And and I'm telling you guys, if 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 we as the body of Christ will rise up and speak and and you know and say and prophesy to this thing and speak faith and mix our faith together, put our faith together and believe. You know, we can, we can, we can change things. Amen. So I encourage you, I encourage you to, to make sure that you're speaking the right things. Amen. Make sure that you're saying the right things, doing the right things, and, and, and speaking the right things out because, because if you're not, then you're, you're contributing to the problem. Come on. Amen. All right. I'll get off, I'll get off that. So, so, but, but I mean, but we need to do that. I mean, listen, you know, you look, Turn to Psalm 91. Let me just show you this. Psalm 91. Now, I, I've been, the Lord's had me reading this every day and, and, and saying these things and, um, you know, and prophesying this over, uh, you know, over, over our church, over my, over our family. Uh, and, you know, we want to make sure that, that we're seeing and, and, and understanding this. And, you know, in verse number one, today, and by the way, let me, I'll back up and say this. You know, we're talking, and this, actually, this goes right along with my sermon today. Because we're talking about, we're talking about the names of God. 
And we're talk- we've been talking about, we've already looked at, the first week we looked at Elohim, which was the strong, mighty creator, the all-powerful one. The, the next week we looked at Yahweh or Jehovah, uh, who was the, the, you know, the great I Am. He was the one that, that uh, you know, uh, whatever you needed Him to be, whatever you need Him to be, that's what He'll be to you. Amen. Uh, then last week we looked at Adonai, who is our Lord and our Master. If you missed any of those, you can go back online and look. You can, you can look at the CDs, uh, get the CDs back here. They're uh, on our website. We've got our podcast. You can, you can look at, you know, download them on our podcast. But today we're going to be looking at El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And, you know, here in, in uh, Psalm 91, he says this. He says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Those two words there, he, he, in the first two verses, there, he, he uh, the psalmist, this, and actually, I always say psalmist David wrote this. Actually, really, most, a lot of people believe that Moses actually wrote Psalm 91. And, you know, so that, I mean, there's some people believe David did, some people believe Moses did, but, but whichever one did, he uses four different names here in the first two verses. He says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, that's Elyon, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That word Almighty is Shaddai. That's what we're going to be looking at today. He said, I will say of the Lord. The, the promises of God are voice activated. He said, he said you know, now if, if, you're going to, if you're going to dwell in the secret place of, of Elyon, and he said, if you're going to abide under the shadow of Shaddai, then you're going to have to say some things. There's some things that you have to say. They're voice activated. And, and, and because he said, look what David said. He said, I will say of the Lord. That word Lord there. Now, y'all tell me what, what that name is in, 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 uh, the word there in verse two, because it says, I will say of the Lord. It's all capital. So what's the, what's that name? Jehovah. Remember, we talked about that. Like last week, we looked at Adonai. And if you remember, when you looked at Jehovah two weeks ago, when you see in the King James especially, now some of the newer translations, they don't, they don't capitalize that, so it's harder to, harder to, to differentiate that. But especially in the King James, um, you'll see that, that when, when you see the capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D, that is Jehovah or Yahweh. When you see the capital L and a little O-R-D, that is Adonai. And we looked at that last week. There's a huge difference in those two. One, Yahweh is the great I Am. He is, he is, who, he is who He uh, introduced Moses when Moses saw the burning bush. And Moses said, who will I say sent me? And He said, he said tell them, I Am, you know, Jehovah, Yahweh. And then, of course, last week when we saw Adonai, we saw that that word Adonai meant, the name Adonai meant uh, Lord or Master. And, you know, so it's two totally different things there. But here he says, I will say, he said, I'm going to say some things about Jehovah. And he said, here's what I'm going to say. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God. That word God there is Elohim. He's the Creator, the all-powerful one. He said, he, he said, here's what I'm going to say about Jehovah, about Yahweh. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. And he says, in, in Elohim, in the great, the strong, mighty Creator, he said, in Him I will trust. So what does that say for us? What we need to be saying is this. God is my protector. God is my healer. God is the great physician. In Him I will trust. 
My family is protected. When I, when I trust in Him and when I stay under the wing, under the shadow of, of Shaddai, when I, when I stay in His protection and when I'm in His presence, I have, I have no fear of anything coming against my family. Why? Because He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is greater than anything I'll ever face in this world. Amen. Man, that's powerful. So there's some things that you have to say. There's, you know, you can't just sit back and let, let everything happen to you and, and expect God just to show up and do everything for you. There's, the promises of God are voice activated. You have to say some things. And you know, you have to, you have to be willing to, to, to open your mouth. I, I love Mark Hankins, uh, says it this way, says that, says, you know, that if your faith is not strong enough to move your tongue, it will never move your mountain. Did you hear that? If your faith will not move your tongue, if you don't have enough faith to say what you want to see happen, or to say what God says, then that mountain will stay in front of you the whole time. You have to be, you have to have some faith to say some things. Amen. And to prophesy some things. Amen. So we're talking about today, like I said, we've looked at Elohim, we've looked at Yahweh or Jehovah, the, those names, you know, we, if, the, when, when God showed to Moses there in the burning bush, He told him, He said, I am. He, God, Moses said, who, who will I tell them sent me? What's your name? And He said, I, tell them I am sent me. That was the name Yahweh. When you translate Yahweh over into English, that's where we get the name Jehovah. So Jehovah is the same name as Yahweh. Yahweh is the Hebrew name. Jehovah is the English translation of, of, of uh, Yahweh. So Yahweh and Jehovah are interchangeable there. And then last week we, we looked at Adonai, who is our Lord and our Master. We surrender all to Him. Today we're going to look at another name. And, and the name that we're going to look at today is El Shaddai. Now, some of these names are very familiar. We've heard these names. We, you know, we know about these names. But, uh, but remember, there's a couple things that we want to look at and that we want to see as we, as we look at these names and as we talk about these names. And remember, the first thing that we, that we want to always look at is this. These, these are names that God introduced Himself by. They're not names that somebody gave Him. In other words, we're going to look at the story of Abram here in El Shaddai and how, when, and this is in, in Genesis chapter 17, this is when He shows up and He, He introduces Himself as, this is the first time that this name is used. He introduces Himself as El Shaddai. And this is a name coming from God that, that God speaks to, to, uh, Abram and tells him, this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be for you. The second thing that we always look at is this. And knowing this, and this is, this was a, this name, El Shaddai, is a prime example of this. Usually when God introduces or reveals another name to His people, a new name, or, or introduces them, or reveals, I won't say introduce, but, but really it's just He's revealing another part of His character. You know, because He is so, I mean, listen, we're gonna spend all of eternity finding out new things about God. That's how incredible He is. So here, and when, when He introduces Himself, and, and reveals just another part of his character to people, um, it's, it is usually in the middle of a crisis. It's usually like, it's like, and, and we're going to see this story of Abram here, where it's in the middle of a, of a situation where 
Abram, Abram thought that, that the promise wasn't going to happen. He, he thought that, you know, basically that everything had, everything he had done had been for nothing. But when God showed up and, and recommitted or, or, uh, or kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he, uh, recommitted the covenant to him and just reconfirmed the covenant. That's the word I'm looking for, confirmed. He reconfirmed the covenant to Abram. He introduced and gave Abram another aspect of who he was. And it was because of that that we read about Abram being the father of our faith. And I'll show you that and explain that to you in a moment. But, but the, and then the third thing we want to look at is this. And we ask this question, and we're going to look at this every week. And, and at the end of our sermon, we're going to look at this question and ask, us, ask ourselves this. Do I know God that way? Do I, do I know Him as El Shaddai in my life? And, and that's a powerful thing, and we're, we'll see that at the end here. So Genesis 17, now we know this story because we looked at it um, some even last week in, when, in Adonai, and we know the story of Abraham, so, or Abram, it's Abram to begin with, but let me just rehearse this just for a moment. So here Abram is, he's minding his own business, doing his own thing. God shows up to him one day and says, Abram, he said, I've called you out. He said, I want you to leave this land, leave your family, and go to a place that I will show you. And he said, I'll make, I'll make your name great. I'm going to give your, your, you know, you'll have a huge, uh, follow, or a huge, uh, family and all of this stuff. And God says, you know, so just, so follow me and obey me. So Abram, Abram picks up and he, and he leaves his, he leaves, uh, hair, or he leaves, uh, where, where he was at there. And of course, he didn't follow exactly what God said to do because, uh, because he took his nephew with him and he took his dad with him. And God told him to leave his family behind and, and leave. And, and we talked about this last week, so I'm just blowing through this. So, so we know that cost Abram ten years of his life. Because when he left, his dad got sick and his dad got tired and they had to stop. They stopped in Haran and they stayed there for ten years. And so Abram was 75. Now listen, Abram was 75 when God called, when God first gave the call on his life, Abram was 75, Sarah was 65. So, so they leave and they start on this journey and Abram now is 70 or he's 75. So now he's 85 and he hasn't even really started on the journey yet because he got detoured. He got sidetracked because he, he did something that God told him not to do. He took his family with him. So, so he comes and his dad dies. And he buries his dad, and then he sits out and he says, okay, now I can go follow God. So he takes off and he starts on this journey again, going to where God showed him. And of course, now he's still got his nephew with him. So there, there comes trouble with him and his nephew. And, uh, and, you know, and, and there's, there's, there, 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 God is still blessing them, and there's so much going on that, you know, everything's just crazy, and the two, the two fam- or their, their shepherds are fighting each other because their herds are so big. So finally, finally Lot and Abraham separate, and Lot goes one way and Abram goes the other way. And, and then as soon as they did that, it's interesting, because in Exodus, or I mean in Genesis 15, and this is what we looked at last week, God shows up and re, reconfirms the, the covenant again. You know, so, so for the second time, God reconfirms the covenant. So, so he's 85, probably somewhere around 88 years old now, and, uh, and so he's, 12, 13 years into, into this journey with God. So God told him that he was going to have a son. His seed would be the seed that, that the nations are, would be blessed by. 
So he's going through, he's living this life and, and doing this thing, and Sarah's not having kids. He's not getting any younger. She's not getting any younger. They don't know what to do. So just like any good religious person would do, they decide that God doesn't know what He's doing, and they'll help God out, and they, they know better than God, so they'll figure out a way to make God's promise come true. Let me give you one nugget here. When God gives you a promise, He is the only one that can make that promise come to pass. If you try to do it in your own strength, and your own power, you're just going to mess it up. God's promises are only able to be fulfilled by God. Yeah. <laughs> amen. I mean, that's a nugget right there. That's enough to say amen and go home on and, and, and you know, you can say thank you, Lord, for that. So, so, uh, so finally one day, Sarah, Sarah, her name's Sarah at the time, she comes up and she's talking, and I'm sure, I'm sure she knows that Abram's dejected and she's upset as this as well. And finally she says, she says, honey, she says, I know that, that we're supposed to have kids. Surely the problem's with me. She says, so, she says, so I've got this young maiden here that, that helps take care of me. She said, just you go in and lie with her and, 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 you know, and, and have relations with her and, and maybe God will bless us with a son through her. Well, so sure enough, Abram, Abram's like, okay, cool. You know, so he goes in and, 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 and has relationship with, with Sarai's maid. And sure enough, and her name was Hagar, sure enough, she gets pregnant. And boy, they're all excited, right? I mean, Abram's excited, probably Sarai's excited, thinking, oh, now here's the baby, here's, you know, we're going to be blessed through this. But then guess what? Just like any plan of our own, uh, it doesn't take the exact turns we think it's going to. Because what happens is that Hagar now, all of a sudden, cops an attitude. And she starts saying, well, I'm better than Sarah. I, I'm, here I am, her maid. She should be my maid because I'm the one that had the baby. And she can't have babies, so something's wrong with her. So I'm better than she is. And she starts looking down on Sarah to the point where Sarah finally tells Abram, you've got to do something about that woman. Get her out of the house. So Abram, he doesn't really want to. He's trying to figure out a way to do this. But he, has, he finally has no choice and he kicks Hagar out of the house. And, and she goes into the wilderness. And that, that's a whole other side story. But, but God shows up to her in the wilderness and tells her, Go back. I'm taking care of you. I'm, I, see who, I see you. I see where you are. Get back to, get back to under Sarai's protection and, and raise that kid in the house and, and everything's going to be okay. Well, and we know this is that because his name was Ishmael. Well, that is where the whole Muslim faith came from. Was out of a uh, was out of a out of a flesh relationship that never should have happened, and Abram fought that, and Abram and his descendants fought that that decision, that one decision that he made. Caught, and actually, to be honest with you, we're still fighting that same decision today. That the Muslim faith and the Muslim people are still a thorn in the in Christian side. Amen to the Jews, especially yes. To the Jews, that's right. So, so here, so here, Abram is, you know, and so, so, uh, so that, so uh, Ishmael comes back, and for another twelve years. Now, th- this is like I said, Abram's like eighty-eight years old when this happens, when Ishmael's born. So, for another twelve years, 
he waits because, because then he shows up to God and God reconfirms this commitment to him and he says, but God, the only, the only person, the only uh, kid in my house is from a servant and it's not from me and Sarah. And God says, nope, said the seed will be from you and Sarah. So, said Ishmael is not the seed that will be blessed. You know, the whole world will be blessed through. So, so for 12, 12 more years pass. Now come on. We don't like it when 12 minutes pass. Abram's been on this journey for 25 years now, 24 years. He's 99 years old when we get to Exodus, or when we get to Genesis 17. 99 years old. For 24 years, he's been waiting on God to show up, from his mind, he's been waiting on God to show up and give him the promise that, that God promised him 24 years ago. He stepped out and he got in the flesh. He created Ishmael, which created all kinds of problems. You know, he he brought his family with him, caused all kinds of problems. So, listen, Abram wasn't perfect in this either, right? But but yet, so here he is. You can imagine, 12 years has passed since Ishmael has been born. He's probably still wondering what in the world is going on. Why, Why is all this, you know, happening? And we get to, to we get to Genesis 17. Now, there's a lot to that story that I didn't fill in. So, if you're interested, read the first 17 chapters of Genesis, and you'll you'll read from chapter 12 through chapter 17, and you'll fill in the blanks. So, chapter 17, we get to verse one, and it says this: Genesis 17, verse one. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord that that's that all capitals, so Yahweh, Jehovah, appeared to Abram and said to him. Now listen to what he said. He says, I am Almighty God. Almighty God. So when you look that up in the Hebrew, it is this. He said, he's saying, and, and that's flipped around from the way we say it, but, but what he was saying is this. He came, to, he came to Abram and introduced himself. He says, I'm getting ready to reveal a new aspect of myself to you. He says, I am El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient one. Now, the word El, E-L, uh, is the word that, that is translated God. And it's just like in the very, the, the very first name we looked at, Elohim, the, the singular of Elohim is El, God. It's used over uh, 800 times, I think. Uh, or no, I, 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 actually 200 times in the Old Testament. Just translated God. When, when God shows up, a lot of times it's just El. You know, E-L, that's the Hebrew name for it. And what that means is this, El, E-L, the Hebrew definition of it is this, all-powerful, the powerful and mighty one. So El, or God, our God that we serve, not any God, but our God, the God, He is the all-powerful one. He is the almighty one, right? Now when He shows up and He introduces Himself to Abraham as almighty God, that word almighty is the word Shaddai. S-H-A-D-D-A-I, Shaddai. And what that word means is this. Now, there's a lot of different, there's a couple different takes on this. And, and just like almost anything, you can, you know, different people have different opinions of it. The, the root word for Shaddai is Shad, S-H-A-D. That word Shad actually means a woman's breast. And what that is a picture of is this. When, when you, when you put that, when you put it in the word Shaddai, what it means is this. That God is the one that nourishes us. 
When you think of a woman's breast in, in childbirth, when the woman has a baby and, the, the, and she puts the baby and breastfeeds that baby, what happens? The nourishment that that baby needs comes from the mother, comes out of that breast, and that baby is nourished. It is, that baby is sustained, it, it is supplied, and it is satisfied. So, when, so and a lot of times, uh, there, were different, there were different gods in that, uh, in that time. You know, there was all kinds of gods in that area that they worshipped and everything. And, and many of them had, were depicted with many breasts on, their, on the idols that they would build. And that was to show that that, that god could supply or nourish you know, the, the people that worshipped it. So some people uh, translate El Shaddai, it's even, you'll even see it this way, said this way many times, He is the many-breasted God. Meaning that He has all the supply you ever need. He has all the nourishment you ever need. He will satisfy you in any way possible. And he, that is who El Shaddai is. Now other, other translations or other people, um, other people translate that word Shaddai as sufficient. You know, all sufficiency. That's where the majority of the time when you see El Shaddai, you'll see it labeled like this one, like the picture I put up here, the all-sufficient one. He is sufficient. He is sufficient. He is your sufficiency. Whatever you need, that's what He'll be to you. He is sufficient in every area of your life. Now, why did He show up? Why did He reveal this to Abram at this time? Remember, like I said, it had been 24 years. Abram had tried many things and no doubt... I'm sure if, if you put yourself in Abram's shoes, he was 99 years old. Sarah was, Sarah was 90, or 89 years old. They were past childbearing age. They had tried everything and, and they, they couldn't seem to make, now here's, listen to the way I word this. He, they couldn't seem to make the promise of God come to pass. They had tried everything they thought they should do and nothing worked. So they even stepped outside of that and tried something that they shouldn't have tried, and he created Ishmael and still a problem for today. So God shows up and he says, Abram, he says, here I am, the all-sufficient one. And he said, I'm going to reveal something to you today, and it's going to bring to pass the promises that I gave you 24 years ago. Listen to what he said. He said, he said that the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Or in other words, just do what I tell you to do. You know, be walk in me, obey my commands. And then look at verse 2. He says, And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I, and, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked to him. Say, now, now, just let me stop and interject this. Why did Abram fall on his face? <clears throat> well, a couple of reasons, because number one, God was talking to him. But number, but I believe the biggest reason that Abram fell on his face was this. God just reconfirmed the commitment and he revealed himself to Abram. What he was saying to Abram was this. You, have, you, you are not sufficient within yourself to see this promise come to pass. But guess what? I am showing up today saying that I am your sufficiency. I am getting ready to make this promise that you can't make come to pass. I am getting ready to, to reveal myself to you in a way that you will see this promise come to pass in your life. I am the sufficient one to see this promise happen in your life. So Abram fell on his face and worshipped God. And, and then it says that God kept talking to him. And he said this, and God said, as for me, 
Behold, my covenant is with you. Because could you imagine what the, the thoughts that were going through Abraham's mind? Well, maybe maybe God chose somebody else. Maybe I'm maybe Sarah and I are not the ones that God wants to use. Maybe God wants to cut covenant with somebody else and and do something different. I don't know. It's been 24 years. Who knows what? You know, we've tried everything and none of this is working. God shows up. He says, I'm the sufficient one. And he said, as far as my covenant, he said, it's between me and you. So he reconfirmed the commitment that he made to Abram 24 years ago. And he said, Abram, this promise, this covenant is about to come to pass. This promise is about to happen. So as far as as for me, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Now check this out. No longer shall your name be called Abram, which meant the father of many. But now he says, but your name now shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. So God just went from one level... Abram thought, you know, when he said, he said, you know, well, God told me that, that I'd be the father of many. That's great. I may have 10, 12, 15 kids. But now God showed up and when he said, I'm the sufficient one, he said, no longer can you think down here on this level. He said, now you're going to be the father of nations. I mean, he took it to a, he took it to a level that Abram couldn't even imagine. Man, that is so incredible. So then verse six, he says this. He says, I, now listen, he said, now notice, notice the, the terminology here. He didn't say you have to become nation, the father of nations. He says, I have, if you look at that in verse five, notice what he said. He says, your name, your name will no longer be called Abram, but it shall be called Abraham, for I have made you. So it, it is already a done deal. He told Abraham, I have already made you. I have made you the father of many nations. Verse 6, he says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you make nations of you, and kings shall come for you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And now you could go on and read the rest of that, but, but you see the point here. God shows up and said, I'm the sufficient one. I am the one that's getting ready to make this happen, Abraham. You, do, you don't have the power or the ability to do it. I am getting ready to do this for you. That's the reason he revealed himself as El Shaddai. It was a hopeless situation for Abraham. But God showed up and He said, I am El Shaddai. I am the sufficient one. Just hang on and watch what's getting ready to happen. Come on. So He is the first. He is, first of all, to, to Abram here, the reason He fell on His face, because first of all, Abram knew that he was, he was sufficient to bring their bodies back to a point where they could have kids. Because it was past that time. Amen. Now look at, look at Romans chapter 4. I saw this from a new light this week. I mean, because, because you know, because I had I'd often wondered, to be honest with you, about this story in, or about the, the account in Romans because, because it says here in Romans chapter 4, it starts talking about how Abraham wasn't weak in faith. And I always used to think, well, wait a minute, Abraham was kind of weak in faith because he even tried to make it happen himself. 
Right? He even tried to, I mean, he, you know, he tried to, to make God's promises and do it in his own strength. But look at this as I was reading this in Romans chapter 4, uh, verse 19, it says this. Paul was talking about this, and he says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. So notice when Paul starts talking about this, Paul said, Paul said, what Paul starts talking about here is from the time God showed up and told him, revealed himself as El Shaddai to Abram. He said, from the time that Abram was a hundred years old, he says, he says he didn't consider his body now dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb from the time he was a hundred. So this was, this was what Paul was looking back on here in Romans. He was looking back and saying, when God showed up as El Shaddai, all of a sudden, Abram's thoughts changed. Abram went from, man, I'm too old. I, nothing works anymore. I mean, I'm having a hard time just sleeping. I, you know, much less having kids. And man, I mean, what's all this? God shows up and says, I'm the sufficient one. And then all of a sudden, Abram started saying, wait a minute. He's sufficient to bring my body back in, to make things work that don't work. He's sufficient to make things happen the way things should be happening. So you know what? I'm no longer considering my body dead like I used to. Why? Because now God is El Shaddai to me. God is the sufficient one. It's no longer me trying to make this happen. He is the sufficient one, and He is going to make this promise come to pass in my life. Verse 20 says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. What was the promise? The promise was, Abram, I am El Shaddai. And as far as my covenant, my covenant is between me and you now. It's no longer your power, no longer you trying to make this happen. Abraham, I am El Shaddai, I am the, I am the all-sufficient one. As a matter of fact, I'm changing your name because when I get involved in something, down here don't count. It's all the way up here. That's how big God is. So he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. What strengthened Abraham? It was the revelation that El Shaddai is now on the scene. His faith was strengthened when God showed up and said, Abram, I am right now being El Shaddai to you. I am the all-sufficient one. All of a sudden, Abraham, everything about Abram changed. And, and the Bible, and you read the rest of that story, and just right after that, Sarah gets pregnant. He changes Sarah's name to Sarah too. And, but, but Sarah gets pregnant, and they have their son who, you know, who we know, uh, you know, Isaac, they have their son. And, and the promise is fulfilled to them. Isn't that awesome? So it says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what God had, had promised, He was also able to perform. Do you see that? He said now he was fully persuaded that God would do what he said he would do. What, what changed Abram's mind? It was when God showed up and revealed to him that he was El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Come on, that is, that is good news. Because guess what? He's still El Shaddai for us. That he is still, and my question, my question I'll ask you in just a couple moments is this. Do you know him as El Shaddai? Do you know Him as the sufficient one? Or are you still trying to make things happen in your own strength? And in your own power? Mm. What God promises, only God can give. 
Let's turn back to Genesis for a second, and I'm just going to run through these. This is a great study, and you can, I mean, I could, we can make a whole series out of this, but I'm trying to just do one name a, a week. Remember, I'm trying to give you nuggets and trying to whet your appetite to where you'll go study this for yourself. That you'll dig deep in the Scriptures and you'll say, hey, I want to learn more about that. And you'll dig deep into the Scriptures and find this. Let's look at, there's five other times that God shows up and reveals Himself in Genesis to, uh, to, to people as El Shaddai. And let's look at these. So the first one was with Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham. Now let's fast forward to Exodus, or to Genesis 28. Genesis chapter 28, and verse number 1. It says, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him. Now you remember, uh, Isaac was, was uh, Abraham's son, right? And then he, Isaac had kids. Jacob was one of his kids. And it says, then, then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to uh, Padan Aram, to the house of Beth, uh, Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from, from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And then here was, here was the, uh, what Isaac what Isaac prophesied over Jacob as he, as he was getting ready to leave. He says, May God Almighty... Here's this, this term, El Shaddai. Now, don't get hung up on the, the, the mother's brothers and cousins and all that stuff. That, that was just the way it was back then, okay? So don't get hung up on that. I heard some of y'all chuckling about that. So, but, but, you know, that, you know hey, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. So, so Jake, Jake, Isaac prophesied over Jacob, and he said this. This is, what Isaac, or this is what Isaac prophesied over Jacob. He said, may God Almighty, there that, that name is. He says, may El Shaddai, he says, may El Shaddai bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may, that you may be an assembly of peoples, and may He give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Sounds just like what when El Shaddai showed up to Abram and changed his name to Abraham. Here Isaac is prophesying this over Jacob, and he said the same El Shaddai, the same God, the same aspect of the God we serve, the same... Uh, the same uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me here. The same... Uh, uh, attributes of God that showed up to Abraham is now showing up in your life and He's going to bless you and He's going to prosper you and He's going to make nations out of you and He's going to give you the land that He promised to Abraham. And all of these things are going to happen. Why? Because El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, is able to make every promise come to pass in your life. Whew, glory. So you know the story. Isaac goes... So, so here, uh, Isaac blesses Jacob and tells him to go. Jacob goes, and I'll have to tell the story real quick. Jacob goes to Laban, and, and he, he sees, he falls in love with Rachel. Right? And so, so he falls in love with Rachel, and he goes, and he makes a deal with Laban. Laban was a bad dude. He was a, he was a swindler. He was, he was not a good man. He makes a deal with, with Laban, Rachel's mom, and he says, and Laban says this, he goes to him and says, I want to marry your daughter. He says, work for me for seven years and you can marry my daughter. Jacob says, fine. I mean, he was so in love with her, he said, I'll work seven years. So he worked seven years. 
He's so excited because now comes the time that he gets, he gets his wife. He gets to have, he gets to have Rachel. So they have the wedding and, and it's dark and, you know, and, 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 uh, Jacob is waiting in, in his, in his tent there for his wife to come and Laban sends in, let me see how to say this. He sends in not the, the not so pretty sister. <laughs> Jacob fell in love with Rachel because she was beautiful. The Bible says that Leah wasn't quite as beautiful as Rachel. So he sends in, he sends in the older daughter, Leah. Well, it was dark in the tent. Jacob didn't know. I mean, it was an innocent mistake. Jacob had no idea. He wakes up the next morning, rolls over, expects to see Rachel, and guess who's laying in bed with him? Leah, Rachel's sister. He jumps up and says, what have you done to me? And he says, oh, you don't know the custom. The custom is the older daughter has to be married first. And he says, but I want Rachel. Laban says, oh, work for me another seven years. So Jacob's like, fine, I'll do that because I want Rachel. So he works another seven years. And then, so sure enough, you know, he finally gets Rachel and there's a whole big ordeal there. Jacob, I mean, uh, Laban don't want to let him go. But God tells him, God tells Jacob, he, he, he gives him... Um, he gives him the plan how to, how to take care of this. Turn to Genesis 35. In Genesis chapter 35, and look down in verse number 9. <clears throat> it says this, so, so, uh, so Jacob is, you know, Jacob has this, actually he has this big plan. He's getting ready to leave, and, and, uh, and Laban's already come after him once after he tried to leave and, and took him back and all this. And so God tells... Now, this is a cool plan. You read this story. This is a real cool story. God tells Jacob, He tells him, He says, He says, Tell Laban that you'll take all the spotted and striped animals. And, and then, you know, and when you leave, that you'll take all the spotted and striped animals and leave him all the solid animals. Well, the Bible says that the majority of Laban's flock was solid. So Laban said, oh, that's cool. said, you know, you're silly for making that deal. I'll make the deal with you. But God had told Jacob to take, uh, to take poles and to strip the bark off of them, make them strip, make them strip, stripe, or striped, you know, to where they were different colors and stuff. And when the animals came to water, he would put those, those poles up that had the different colors. They were spots and speckles and different stripes. They would see that when they were feeding. They would see that when they watered. When they mated, he put those poles up to where when they looked at that, they saw the spots and the, the stripes. And you might think, why in the world would he do that? Now, I don't know in the natural if that would work or not, but we know this. It worked because God said to do it. He was El Shaddai. <laughs> he showed up and told Jacob the plan. And sure enough, when it was time for Jacob to leave, he took all of the, he took all of the spotted and the striped and the, and the uh, different colored animals, and he left, he left Laban with almost, uh, really it was all the weak and the, the lame animals. Why? Because God showed up and told Jacob, here's what you are to do, and, this, and when you do this, I am sufficient enough to make my promise come to pass in your life. Man, that's an incredible... You can read that whole story there. But in uh, Genesis 35, verse 9, it says this, Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from uh, Padan Aram, and he blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall, not, shall now not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, 
I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and to your descendants after you. I give this land. And it says, then God went up from him in the place where he had talked to him. So he shows up to, now he shows up to Jacob and he says, he says, I am El Shaddai for you. He said, go and be blessed, multiply, be fruitful, and kings will come out of your body. Well, what do you know, what do we know about Jacob or about Israel? His kids, anybody know how many kids he has? He had 12 kids. Guess what those 12 kids become? Becomes the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and it's, I mean, you know, all, I mean, they were the most famous people. I mean, all through the rest of the New Old Testament talks about the 12 tribes of Israel. They came from Jacob. When God showed up and said, I will be El Shaddai for you, nations will come out of you, and, and kings will come forth from you. Well, we know this, that David, if you look through the whole lineage, David came out of one of those tribes. So kings came out of him. The promise was fulfilled. Amen. Now, like I said, man, I could, we could preach on every one of these. Look at, uh, turn to uh, chapter 43. Have you seen a theme that runs out when God shows up and says, El Shaddai? Yeah. Prosper, blessed, nations, kings, you know, lands. I mean, in other words, things that they couldn't get on their own. El Shaddai shows up and all sufficient. All of a sudden, everything just happens the way God said that will happen. Exodus 43, verse 12. No, verse 14, I'm sorry. Exodus 43, verse 14. And this is, this is when... Uh, now, now, you remember... Uh, so, so part, of, part of the story goes about uh, Isaac's kids is that he has 12 kids. One of them is Joseph, right? And Joseph has a dream. And Joseph actually has two dreams. His mistake was that he told everybody about them. Because the first dream was that, that they were all in the field and, and the sheaths of wheat stood up and all of his brother's sheaths of wheat bowed down and worshipped his. Well, he jumped up one day and said, Boys, guess what? I had this great dream. You know, all this hard work we're doing out here in the field, man, that's great. He says, My sheath stood up and all of y'all bowed down to me and, and I was the greatest one. Well, how do you think that went over? Well, they kidnapped him put him in a pit, tried to kill him. One of the brothers didn't want to kill him, so he sold him off to a band of gypsies, and he got sold into slavery and became a slave in, in a foreign land. That's what that dream got for him. And actually, the second dream was that the mom and dad would actually bow down and worship him too. And, you know, so, so anyway, so Joseph gets, you know, is now in a foreign land, but we know that God is with Joseph. And we know, and, and you know, we understand that, that everything Joseph put his hand to prospered. He went to the palace, then he got put in prison because he got charged with, with attempted rape, which didn't happen. But he went to the prison, and even in the prison, he, he uh, you know, the, the prison, uh, the guy that was over the prison put him totally in charge. And he went through that whole process until finally he, he, he interpreted a dream. And finally the, the Pharaoh put him in charge of the entire nation. And, and through his wisdom, through the wisdom that God gave him, 
now there was a drought coming and they had saved up enough, enough grain to feed the entire nations all the way around them. So uh, Israel, or Jacob, and his 11 other kids, they ran out of food. So they had to go to, to this next nation to get food. They had no idea that Joseph was the one in charge of it. So they send kids over there. He, send two, he sends a, a, some of his kids over there to get the grain, and Joseph immediately recognizes them. They don't recognize him. He puts stuff in their bag like they stole it, so they get arrested. And Joseph comes back, and he's just really he's just playing with them, you know, just because really the whole purpose of that was that he was want, he was wanting his father to come. And long story short, finally his father comes. And becomes and lives with them, and, and they take they take the whole uh, they take a whole area there down in Goshen, and they, they they become a whole nation to themselves. The problem with that, well, and here in Exodus, I mean in Genesis forty three, look down at verse fourteen. This is um, this was Isaac, or this was Jacob, when when Joseph was in this conversation, and he told him, he said, "Go send your my youngest brother." Jo- Joseph was the next to youngest. He said, go get, my, go get the youngest son and bring him to me. And of course, they didn't, uh, Isaac or Jacob, or Israel, I mean, Jacob, didn't want to let that youngest one go because he had already lost the son that he loved, right? And so, so anyway, he finally agreed to it. Now look at verse 14. And it says this, and this, was, this here was when uh, Jacob or Israel, I mean, he goes by both names until, until Joseph reveals himself to them. And then from that point forward, he only goes by Israel. But, but here in verse 14, he's, he's talking to his sons and, and he's getting ready to release his youngest son to go with him. And notice what he says. He says, may God Almighty, may El Shaddai give you mercy before this man. And it was actually Joseph. He didn't know it at the time. But may El Shaddai give you mercy before this man that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. I am bereaved. I am bereaved. So here, Jacob, remember, God had already appeared to him and said, I'm El Shaddai, I'm the sufficient one. Jacob remembered that, and now he said this. He said, may El Shaddai, may the one that came through for me the other time, may he come through for me again. And may my kids be released. And man, and that whole story is, you know, and of course, Joseph finally reveals himself to them. And, uh, and you know, and, and, and uh, Jacob comes and brings the whole family over there. Then if you fast forward to chapter 48, and I am leaving so much out, but I'm in a hurry, so I'm almost out of time. Exodus or Genesis 48, verse 3. I'm giving you all like a month worth of stuff here, okay? I mean, this is, I mean, I, I'm going really fast and I apologize for that, but, but you can get the CD or, or watch it online again and catch all this. So, so, so uh, you know, Jacob comes and lives with them. Jacob now is getting older and he's getting ready to die. And so Joseph wants him to bless his kids. Joseph has had kids. And he wants, he wants Jacob to bless his kids. And so in verse 3 here, it said this. It said, Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty, El Shaddai, appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me, and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants and you as an everlasting possession. Now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, they are mine. He said, I I received them just like they're mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. 
Your offspring, whom you begat after them, shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. But as for me, when I came from uh, from Padon, uh, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was but a little distance to go up to uh, Ephrath. And I buried her on the way. And it said, and then, so, so anyway, he goes on and tells that story. But what he said was this. He said, your kids are now mine. And he said, they will fall under this blessing of El Shaddai. And he said, El Shaddai is going to bless them. And of course, we know Ephraim and Manasseh, you know, they become, they, they become great tribes as well. Now, turn over to Exodus 6. One last scripture and I'm through. Whew. Y'all been listening good. I've been talking fast. I hope you got it. Exodus chapter six. Now this is an interesting. This is an interesting scripture here. We only got through Genesis. The, the El Shaddai is mentioned uh, forty-eight times in the Old Testament. We went through five of them, <laughs> okay? And uh, and actually, a lot of times it's only mentioned as Shaddai. It doesn't say God Almighty. It just says Almighty. But but uh, out of all the other times, this is interesting. In the book of Job. Shaddai is mentioned 31 times. So Job, uh, in that book, it had, you know, Shaddai or the Almighty, the sufficient one. But, and, and you think of the story of Job, what is so significant about that? You look, he lost everything, but in the end, it was restored double. Remember, what's the thing that we've been seeing? You'll be blessed, you'll multiply, you'll increase, there'll be nations come out of you. Time and time and time again, we see El Shaddai showing up, and all of a sudden the promises start happening. Here in Exodus 6, notice this, he says, uh, Exodus chapter 6, this is, God is talking, having this conversation with Moses, and that we've, that we've already looked at. But in Exodus 6 here, he said this, in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For I, with a strong hand, uh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. You know that capital L, O, capital O, capital R, D. I am Yahweh. But look at verse 3. This is interesting. He said, I appeared to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob. As El Shaddai. But by my name, Lord, or by Jehovah, by Yahweh, um, by Yahweh, I was not known to them. So what he was saying was this. For Abraham, Isaac, for Jacob, and for their kids, they didn't know Yahweh. They knew El Shaddai. We look at their lives and we think, man, they're blessed. And, and they're, you know, they're, I mean, all three of them had great lives and they were multiplied and blessed and increased and all this. And you know who they knew God by? They knew Him as El Shaddai. It wasn't until Moses shows up after 400 years of captivity that Yahweh is introduced to them. So what, what I'm saying in that is this, is that El Shaddai, most of the time, you know, El Shaddai, he, it is most prominent in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, if you, and, and, you know, of course, you go through the Old Testament, and time and time again, how do you see God described? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That's how He's described in the Old Covenant. And, and who, how did they know Him? They knew Him as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Now, you go through the rest of the, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and you see that uh, El Shaddai shows up in, in the story of Balaam. 
El Shaddai shows up in the story of Ruth. El Shaddai shows up strongly in Psalms. David knew him. And of course, we read Psalm 91. And like I said, most people believe that Moses even wrote Psalm 91. So that would be, that would be understandable why he showed up as El Shaddai there. But here's, here's my question to you. So let me ask you this question. Do you know him as El Shaddai? Do you know him as the all-sufficient one? When you, when you go to the, to the New Testament, when you go to the New Testament, you see, you see scriptures like, uh, John 15:5, where Jesus said this, apart from me, you can do nothing. So in other words, what Jesus was saying there is this, you, you are not sufficient within yourself to carry out the promises of God. But when you have me in your life, everything works. So my question this morning as we close is this. Do you know Him as El Shaddai? Do you know God? Do you, know, do you have that relationship with your Father to where you trust Him as the all-sufficient one? The one that is sufficient to see the promise, in, the promise that God has given you come to pass. You might tell me, Pastor, I've been believing God for a long time for this or this, for healing, for finances, for, you know, for family restoration, for whatever the case may be, and I just haven't, I just haven't seen it happen yet. Could it be that you've been trying in your own strength to make it happen, and you haven't asked El Shaddai to come in and help? Because here's the reality of this. All these names that he introduced himself to, to the people in the Old Covenant, they're still his name today. And he still wants you to know him. Listen, he wants you to know him as Elohim. The great Creator, the Almighty, the, the powerful Creator. He wants you to know Him as Yahweh, as Jehovah, the, the great I Am, the one that will be whatever you need Him to be. He wants, he wants you to know Him as, as Adonai, your Lord and your Savior. He wants you to know Him as those names. But He also wants you to know Him as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. The one that is sufficient to see the plan and the purpose and the promises of God come to pass in your life. And, and how do you do that? Well, I didn't necessarily mean it to happen this way, but, but if you look at last week, if you, when you submit to Him as Lord, and you, and you yield to Him and you surrender to Him as Lord, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden that, your sufficiency kind of lowers down and you realize that He is my Lord and my Savior. And I have to trust Him for everything. And when I, when, I, when I quit trying to make it happen myself, and I turn to Him and say, God, I can't do this, but You can. You're the sufficient one. You are sufficient enough to make this happen in my life. Then when you yield and surrender yourself to Him as El Shaddai, then the promise will come back, I will bless you. I will multiply you. I will make nations out of you. I will increase you. I'll give you the promise. The promise that you've been waiting for is getting ready to happen right now because I am El Shaddai for you. Come on. That, that is good news. Amen? That is, that is wonderful. A wonderful picture of who God wants to be for you. And you can know Him that way. It's simply as... as I mean, for us today in the New Covenant... To understand these names and to walk in the power of these names is simply a heart issue. It's, it's simply just us making that determination in our heart to yield to our Father, to yield to the goodness of God, to yield to Him. Listen, we, man, we had such a great time in worship talking about the goodness of God. Think about that. That when we yield to Him 
and when we yield to the goodness of God, then, then we realize, when we yield to the goodness of God, we realize that He is the sufficient one. It's not us, it's Him. And when we look to Him as the sufficient one, then that's when the promise, whatever it is, whatever that, whatever it is that we need in our life at this moment, He is sufficient to see it come to pass in your life. It's not your power, it's not your ability, it's all about Him. It's the picture of the Father picking up His, picking up His robe and running to meet you, saying, I am sufficient! I am what you need. Look to me. Don't look anywhere else. I am the sufficient one. So this morning, listen, it's as simple, it's as simple as just, just in your heart. If you have the, the, the number one thing that you have to do is you have to have a relationship with your father. You have to know him as savior. You have to understand that, that you need him in your life. And for, for most of us, I know, I know the majority of y'all and I know your lives and, I would say that for the majority of us, we, we have all made Jesus our Lord and our Savior. The next step is simply this, simply yielding, yielding our will to His. Saying, Lord, I can't do this in my own strength. I have to have You. You are my strength. Remember, Psalm 91, their voice activated. If I'm going to stay under the shadow of Shaddai, what do I have to do? I have to say, You are my refuge. You are my fortress. I'm not strong enough to protect myself. I'm not strong enough to make all this stuff happen. But you are, you are sufficient enough for me to take care of me. You have to say, I want El Shaddai in my life. I want you to be El Shaddai for me. I want the sufficient, your sufficiency to take over in my life. And, and I want you to, to, for, to allow this stuff to happen. It has to be voice activated. You have to say some things. You say it in your heart. You say it with your mouth. Whatever the case may be. But listen, friend, it's as simple as just just surrendering your life to Him and saying, Lord, I, I depend on You. You are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my sufficiency. And as we walk out of here today, you can walk out of here knowing that El Shaddai is on your side. The all-sufficient one. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads just real quickly. Let's stand to our feet. You've been, I've been dumping a whole bunch of stuff on you this morning, so you probably need to stand and shake off a little bit. Hallelujah. Lord, my prayer this morning is just simply this. Lord, I know I, I, I probably put too much on, on your people this morning. Lord, I dumped, I dumped a lot on them. But, Father, uh, my prayer, Holy Spirit, is this, that you would take the words that were spoken this morning. Father, that, that You would reveal Yourself to each one of us in the, in, in the next day or two, in the next hour or two, even in this moment right now, Lord, in the, the seconds and hours and days to come. Father, You would reveal Yourself and you would, you would open our eyes to the fact that You are El Shaddai, the all-sufficient One. And we're not sufficient in ourselves, but Lord, when You show up, and say, I am El Shaddai, then, Lord, things change and things happen. So, Father, this morning, our cry and our plea is this. And, Father, and our, our, what we will say is this. El Shaddai, come and have your way. El Shaddai, you are the sufficient one. We put our trust and our hope in you. We're no longer trying to do it in our own strength, our own ability. We look to you, for you are the all-sufficient one. 
So we love you. We honor you. We give you place in our lives to be the sufficiency so that the promise will come to pass. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for increasing us. Thank you, Lord, that that when the promise comes, when we read the promise in your word, then we understand that you are the only one that can make that promise happen. So we look to you and we say we love you and we honor you and we bless you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen.